Hello, hello, happy holidays, happy November, happy whatever day it is that you're actually listening to this on, if it's not a Wednesday when our shows are released. I hope that you're all getting some time to relax, recharge, and just enjoy the holiday season amid the crazy last year, okay, let's be honest, almost two years that we've had. Today's episode is another episode of The Joe Show with the infamous Joe Waters of Selfish Giving. And we're going to talk about all things holiday campaigns, from classic well-known campaigns that are coming back this year to what's on the holiday horizon in the social impact space. So tune in in just a second to hear Joe and my favorite Giving Tuesday campaigns, what campaigns Joe expects to be on the horizon this holiday season, what it takes to develop a successful holiday campaign, two specific things Joe says nonprofits should do on Giving Tuesday, and three trends that I see on the horizon that I pose to Joe and what he thinks of each. And with that, let's get started. Hi, Joe, and welcome back to the podcast that you were a founding host of back in 2012. Is that what it was? Allie, it's deja vu all over again, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't put, I mean, just to think about this, that we have passed over all these years, we have passed um, the baton to the younger generation to host Cause Talk Radio. Hello. Yeah, it's you. Because when we first started uh, Cause Talk Radio, you were like four, right? Okay, I wasn't quite four, <laughs> but I was definitely a little bit younger than I am now. Okay, so before before we dive in too far, I'm pretty sure that most everybody listening knows who you are. But for anybody who doesn't know the infamous Joe Waters, Joe, who are you and what the heck is Selfish Giving? Well, as Dr. Evil said, the, the details of my life are quite inconsequential. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been, I've been kicking around in cause marketing for a long time now. I worked in the nonprofit field beginning in the early 90s with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Fast forward to 2004, 2005, I got a job working at Boston Medical Center as the director of cause marketing. I also started their social media program there. And about that same time, Uh Allie, I wanted to start chronicling the different programs we were doing at the hospital. So just on almost a a laugh and a a click on the computer, uh, we set up Selfish Giving. So that we could a laugh and a click. A laugh is that how and a it's click. Done? Yeah, a laugh and a click. Okay, because good, we good to know. Because you know, we were kind of like, what should we call it? And it's like, why don't we call it selfish giving? Like that's kind of like a snarky Boston thing to say about cause marketing. And uh, so we started that around 2004, 2005. Fast forward a little bit more. Wrote cause marketing for dummies in 2010. Wrote another book on cause marketing in 2012. Went on on my own and have been consulting now for ten years working with nonprofits and businesses to put together win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world, Allie. That's what it's all about. Wonderful. Okay, you want to know what else is wonderful? What? It's almost Thanksgiving, and we're heading into the holiday season. So before we dive into the the details of today's episode, do you have any fun Thanksgiving plans? You know, fun Thanksgiving plans, I guess it depends on how you uh, define fun, (laughs) right? So the best thing about my Thanksgiving plans is one of the things I try to plan every year is sometimes I do have to host Thanksgiving, Allie. But for the most part, I have a saying, bring the mess to someone else's house, okay? So this year, I'm bringing the mess to my mother-in-law's house. And she's been very good about (laughs) hosting 
Thanksgiving, you know, every other year or something like that. So I'm really happy to be going, even though I will definitely help her clean up. I want to let you know that. Good. But I'm not in charge of all the festivities and the hosting and passing around of the drinks and the, the peanuts and the snacks and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to uh, relaxing and enjoying some time with the family. What about you? What do you have planned for Thanksgiving? I Apparently, I am also taking a page out of the Joe Waters book and taking a mess to someone else's house. Not. My parents are coming up to... I live in Bend, Oregon. So my parents are coming up and we're not hosting Thanksgiving at my house. We're hosting it at my aunt and uncles so we'll get to help do all the fun things and do some dishes but nice. it's not at our place yeah. but it'll be lovely to spend some time with family and unwind and just enjoy as we get into the larger holiday yes, season i agree and especially after the two pandemic thanksgivings we've had it oh. definitely feels like this one is a little bit more back to normal okay so before we dive into giving tuesday campaigns predictions other holiday activations i want to look backwards so what is one of your favorite Giving Tuesday activations from the last year or from before that? Well, you know, it's interesting you should ask. And I was thinking back to an old Cause Talk radio that we did several years ago oh. when it was Megan and me. And we had an old kerosene podcast set up where we had to wind up the show <laughs> and get it going, uh, Allie. And we did a program with Virgin America about a program they did for Giving Tuesday. It was called Tiny Dogs, Tiny Fairs. That's what they were using for the hashtag. And what it was is about they did, uh, they hosted uh, an event called Operation Chihuahua Airlift. And what they did was fly the Chihuahuas from San Francisco to New York so that they could be adopted into loving homes. And this was a great example of a Giving Tuesday partnership, a holiday partnership. And you and I were talking to like, you know, point of sale programs and those types of programs are very common on Giving Tuesday. And you and I are looking for something a little bit different, right? And I love this campaign because you know why? It was so visual too, Allie. They got all these great pictures of the chihuahuas. When you have cute dogs. Yeah, that's right. Getting the first class treatment on the flights and, you know, the, the flight attendants holding the dogs and stuff like that. So this was a, this was a great program. And, you know, they worked with a bunch of different people. Uh, Virgin America worked with the San Francisco Animal Care and Control, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in an organization called Animal Haven. And I just love the tagline Operation Chihuahua, Joe, you're really not helping me not get it off. <laughs> it's it's on the horizon, but good. We're not quite. And the there Chihuahua yet. is a good one okay, too because it's a small one too. Yeah, we're more in the realm of like bully breed yeah. mix yeah. from a shelter, yeah. a pug mix. Yeah. I don't know, something small. Mm -hmm. Also, love pit bulls. We'll we'll see where we end. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so mine, as you were saying. Like, yes, point of sale is important. You raise massive amounts of money. But I was also looking for something a little bit different. And I don't remember if this was last year or the year before, but Imperfect Foods invited its customers to reuse their delivery boxes. So typically, you get a delivery box of whatever it is, and hopefully you're breaking it down and putting it in the recycling. In this case, they're not. So they had their, the people that get their boxes go into their pantry, find some specific pantry essentials and fill those up. And then they left them outside. And the Imperfect Foods delivery drivers drove around for, I believe, two weeks starting on Giving Tuesday, picked them all up and then donated them to local food shops. Wow. And so food banks. So what I love about this too is that it's, it's a food access issue, which is close to my heart. And it's also different than the typical 
a lot of the typical monetary donations that you think of when you think of giving Tuesday. That's right. So that's right. That's the one that stuck out to me. Yeah, no, and that, that's a great one too, because you know, so often too, especially when you're in the field of cause marketing, to see a point of sale program is really not that interesting, right? You know, I've seen that, you know, it used to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like my neighbor. She, I'm a gardener myself, and she, and she actually just print, planted some rhododendrons. And she said to me, Joe, do you want to come out back and see my rhododendrons? And it's like, ah, I've seen a rhododendron before, <laughs> right? I know what it looks like. And it's same with giving Tuesday cause marketing campaigns in plenty of point of sale programs before but the campaign you just described and also the chihuahua airlift i was telling you about those are the types of programs i love to read about they get your gears turning and you think about oh how did this come to be and what was the creative behind this and where did the idea come from so i think we're on, we're on the same page yep. looking forward now what interesting campaigns do you suspect will be on the horizon for Giving Tuesday and the broader holiday season this year? Yeah, well, you know, the holiday season, fourth quarter in general, tends to be a big time for cost marketing mm-hmm. campaigns in general, because, you know, with Pigtober, and then we see some a lot of campaigns around Veterans Day, we see campaigns, some campaigns around Thanksgiving, although we don't see as many Thanksgiving campaigns as we really see. But, you know, I think the, you know, the holidays are really looking like there's a great opportunity. A lot of signature campaigns are back like Thanksgiving, Macy's Believe mm-hmm. Campaign Alley is back, which is fantastic right. and should be a lot more successful this year because we'll have a lot more foot traffic in stores. But you may remember the Believe campaign is for every kid that you know that puts a letter in the mailbox or even does it online. They're donating a dollar. They also are doing uh, a Roundup program at the register. They have a purchase triggered mm-hmm. product that they're also selling, although I forget specifically what that is. And they also do online giving. So you can actually go online, you can donate money and you can round up uh, when you check out through the website. So it really is kind of a masterclass in all the different things that you could be doing this season. So I think it's really exciting time. And I love the holidays. And you know, one of the things you might be interested in too, Allie, is I just wrote about in my newsletter this week is that one of the things that we see every year around this time is obviously the introduction of a Christmas carol, right? It's this signature. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. It's the signature. Play. We're talking about theaters right. here, aren't yes, we, in a yes. second? So <laughs> it's a signature program that's out there right now in terms of like, you know, plays that are being offered. And right out in your neck of the woods, how close are you to Spokane, Washington? Not close. Not close. Okay, see, it shows you. Megan was a lot closer. Okay, so it shows you just how little I know about geography in the Western States, <laughs> That's right? okay. I don't know much about your neck of the woods. See, absolutely. But, you know, there's a great example of a theater out there that's doing a program. And after every performance of A Christmas Cow, which is over a month long, right? Think about it. This, mm-hmm. this in Spokane, if that's not how you say it, um, it started. Spokane. Yeah, Spokane. No, what is it? Spokane. No, Spokane. Spokane. Can. All right. All right. I got to work on that. So um, every time this play, uh, it begins on November 10th and it runs till after the New Year's. And after every show, they are doing essentially a point of sale program where they're asking people to donate. And what a perfect play to do that, right? The season, the play itself lends itself to charity. And even in my newsletter, I I included a study, I think it was from the Washington Post, that talks about how live interactive theater really encourages people uh, to be more empathetic and more charitable. So you can't think of a better storm for cause marketing with theaters than A Christmas Carol. So I encourage my readers to take advantage of some of those plays this year because I know just in the Boston area, there are at least a dozen different places that are putting on performances. And for good reason. It's a cash cow for theaters. And I love that it's it doesn't only seem like a good idea to us, but there's also evidence in this study to back it up. So I will link to that in the show notes as well, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Any other... 
I don't want to cut you off before we go to the the next topic, which I'm curious about, but any other things that you see on the horizon that you want to talk about before we move on? You know, I just think that this time of year is really an important one for uh, causes. And one of the things that I would really emphasize, Allie, to people listening to the show is a lot of times the end of the year is really thought of as like, oh, this is a great time to raise money from individuals. But, you know, what we've been saying all along is it's a great time to raise money from companies too, right? And the easiest way to do this is to look at individuals that are contributing to you and make sure that you're asking the five important questions, name, address, phone number, email address, and where do you work, right? And work those companies as hard as you work the individuals so that you can raise money. So it opens up a whole new area for people that they should be taking advantage of. So don't forget those companies and those year-end appeals. So that's the perfect segue because I want to ask you about advice. You've given one piece already, but what advice do you have for nonprofits and companies alike that want to make the most of the holiday season this year? Or in the future. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, uh, you know, for on, in the nonprofit sense, too, like one of the most important things I think uh, nonprofits can focus on now, in addition to focusing on companies that they're already working with that they may be able to tap into, but actually building a good, solid email list. Because one of the things that we know to be successful with giving is that regardless of what you're doing on social media, which is a great awareness tool, you know, email is a very important tool for asking people for money, whether you're asking individuals for money or companies for money. So now is a great time to look at your email list, think about you know, is it getting opened by people? Is there a click-through rate on these things? You know, what are you doing about the new Apple privacy issues that oh. are coming up, right? Yeah, we're all seeing it. <laughs> these are important That's questions. That's right. I see it on my newsletter too. So people mm-hmm. really need to, need to take that time to, to put together a solid list because let's face it, if you're going out and talking to people about Giving Tuesday and you're hoping to raise money, most people are doing that through email. They're not doing it through Facebook. They're not doing it through Instagram. They're not doing it through podcasting, unfortunately. They're doing it through email marketing. So now is a great time to think about this. And, you know, Allie, one of the things that I would really emphasize about Giving Tuesday, it's getting a little late for Giving Tuesday if you haven't come up with a plan yet. Two things though. First, that's why we said holiday, that's right. but go ahead. But first of all, the one thing that you can do easily on Giving Tuesday is thank you donors and your companies that are supporting you, right? That you can make it a mm-hmm. day of thank you. A little gratitude than, goes a that's long right. way. Goes a long way. And then the second thing that you can do is stop planning for next year. Because the best time to plan for Giving Tuesday was last year, the day after. The next best time is the day after this year. That's what I would definitely advise people is that if you're thinking about a solid, successful Giving Tuesday program, whether it's with individuals or companies, start it. What is it? December 1st? I think that November 30th this year is Giving Tuesday. It actually falls in November this year. You know, December 1st, make that your planning day so that you can be number one next year. And what about on the corporate side? Do you have any advice that's different from what you shared? You know, one of the things that I think is really important for corporations right now, which I don't see a lot of them doing very well, is getting out the word about their nonprofit partnerships and talking about and storytelling around these things. Because, you know, one of the things that we know that people want is, first of all, consumers want you to talk about your nonprofit partnerships. But I think what's really important, too, is that we tell a compelling story about how we're helping causes, right? Right? How we're making a difference for these causes. And you know what? And you know this too, Allie. It really humanizes the brand for people, right? So one oh, of the things that I think that 
the corporations need to lean into. Yes, it's a time of year for promotion. Yes, it is for great sales and selection and stuff like that. But it's also a time for empathy and humanity. And this is a great time for corporations to tell their story of how they're working with nonprofits and use their, you know, they have in a lot of instances, a lot more effective mediums than most nonprofits have to get out the word, to use those resources to get those stories out. And, you know, we're seeing some examples of that. Um, I know Phil Hayde at Public just came out with a grant campaign, and I'm actually going to feature it in my newsletter next week. I think it was for Meals on Wheels. And, you know, just a great example of storytelling that I think a lot of companies should follow suit with. So by the time this comes out, that will actually be live. Yeah. But... We maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. And also, speaking of Phil Hayde, I had him on the podcast. I think it went live on the 17th. Yes, 17th of November um, to talk about a paid week off and what his company did to combat burnout and social impact. So if you're interested in that one, go give it a listen. But back to... Yeah, and Phil Hayde is excellent. Oh, absolutely. But back to holiday campaigns, mm-hmm. etc. You've talked about little bits and pieces here, and I could probably distill some learnings. But in Joe Waters' own words, what do you think makes for the most successful holiday campaigns? Oh, well, you know, it depends if you're looking from a, uh, you know, if you're looking from a money perspective, right? In terms of, if, so say that we're looking at a holiday campaign and where you can raise the most money with these campaigns. So often, as we know, Allie, it's with point of sale, right? It's doing something with retailers, restaurants, bakeries, coffee shops, anyone that has lots of foot traffic and lots of locations, right? Uh, those are the things that make a big difference with these campaigns that, you know, and, and you can raise money with all sorts of things. There's all sorts of different ways that you can raise money. But the two most popular ways are through point of sale, which is, you know, paper icons, roundup programs, register programs, even donation boxes. And then we have purchase trigger donation programs, right? When you buy a product, a certain percentage or portion goes back to a good cause. Those are great campaigns too. Those are really two money makers, right? You know, in terms of the different things. So if we're looking at a successful campaign and something that really resonates with customers and consumers, we're thinking about a campaign that is, you know, very forward thinking in terms of involving frontline staff in a program and asking people to donate, but really getting customers engaged in these programs and raising lots of money. And to one of your points about getting associates involved, there are so many things that you can do to set them up well for that, because if you don't, they're, they can kind of make or break your campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And, you know, that's why it's so important that, you know, you need to spend, it, it, you know, the key is, is and we know the, the success of point of sale is really dependent on the ask, right? When one person asks another person, would you donate to, that makes a huge difference. The challenge is, is getting frontline staff to make that ask. And you can do that in a lot of ways, you know, in the sense, and this is a full year campaign, right? And educating people about what the opportunity is and what the, you know, uh, the ways that, that we can be giving back to organizations. But it's also very important to involve managers so they can keep on reinforcing this message. So what what we found is that by educating managers, we were actually le- reaching a lot of frontline staff, right? The most important thing is, though, Allie, and this is so important, you have to be, you know, you have to be just as we're raising money to help humans, you have to be human in your approach in terms of encouraging employees to do these things. We don't want them seeing it as a task, as if you're being some type of Grinch, right, in terms of raising money. So, And I, you want them to be comfortable, if not even excited. That's about right. That's right. Let's ask. make it. 
let's make it something positive so that people can lean into it and feel like, wow, this is my opportunity to really do something great uh, this holiday campaign. So that's what I really emphasize with people is keep it positive, keep it fun, keep it interesting, and you know, get your employees involved in a very positive way. And then everyone wins, right? The customer wins, the senior team wins, and the employees win. All right, Joe, I want to run a couple of predictions by you and see what you think. Are you game? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, so a few of our members and the broader community have shared that at point of sale, amount per transaction is going up, but the number of transactions are going down. Have you heard this and do you think it'll apply to holiday campaigns? You know, I actually haven't heard that specifically, but it doesn't surprise me, Allie, because it was also the trend in giving during the pandemic too, the past couple of years, and that we saw more giving from fewer people. So in a lot of ways, to me, it doesn't it doesn't um, surprise me that this expressed itself at the register in terms of those campaigns. And, you know, and I think it depends a lot of instances too, with, you know, the particular stores that we're working with, how frequently are they doing these campaigns that they can keep people engaged? And what we know by looking at good companies that do these campaigns, they only do one, two, maybe three a year, right? That really engage people. And that's the way to keep And they're planning for them year round. Absolutely. And I think that is so important. You know, I had a great conversation. I was on Costock Radio a couple of years ago with Food Line, which is a grocery chain in the uh, Southeast. And they were talking about this exact same thing, that they were doing lots of campaigns during the year. And they will find that there was a lot of fatigue, not just with employees, but with customers too. So they said, you know what, we're only going to do one a year, but we're going to make it a great campaign. You know, it was a great example of that too. The USO USO and Giant Foods does a campaign every year, and it's a really successful campaign. And it actually ends with an event, a big barbecue event that they do in the Washington, D.C. area. This program has raised millions of dollars. And what I love about it, uh, Allie, not only is it a point of sale program, so they're asking at the register, but they're also selling a coupon book for five bucks to the event. Right. So it's a great example of them putting all their effort into one campaign so that they can raise the most amount of money. And what they found is when they did that one campaign, even during the pandemic, they were raising more money than they did the year before. So is part of that about having a concentrated effort around one, maybe two, or it's maybe in some cases three, but in around fewer things and doing them at a bigger scale, longer planning, et cetera? Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, an old saying, mash your forces, right? Keep, you know, mash your foot, you know, put everything you can up front. And uh, and that's what I think is so important in this campaign is like better to do. And, you know, this applies even, you know, this is the advice, Ali, as you know, that I give to nonprofits with social media. You know, don't spend your waste your energy on five different things. Focus on one thing. Right. Or two things. Do it that's well. right. That you can do really well. And I think it's the same thing with cost marketing campaigns is that, look, maybe you don't do as, as frequently, but when you do do them, you put everything you have against them. And I think when you do that, it's so much more enjoyable. It's more enjoyable for customers, employees. Everyone wins with a campaign like that. So, and I think people are really waking up to that and realizing that they need to consolidate their forces. Mm-hmm. Okay, next prediction that I want to pick your brain on. Certain causes like food access, for example, saw record high support last year and during like throughout the pandemic. And not to say that the pandemic is over because it's not, but things have leveled out quite a bit. Do you think there will be, I'm going to call it more of a leveling of the playing field in terms of cause support this year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've already seen that too. Like, you know, one of the things that I'm really looking at and I'm impressed by with corporate America is, you know, a decade ago, cause marketing campaigns used to be all about uh, women's issues, kids and dogs. 
right? Mm-hmm. And dogs and cats and shelters and stuff like that, especially dogs and cats and shelters, right? And <laughs> um, But now what we're seeing is definitely a broadening in terms of the types of campaigns that uh, companies are doing. You know, heck, Ben and Jerry's has an ice cream for a prison reform. They actually came out, they actually came out with an ice cream for a public safety bill, right? You know, with something like that. You know, Ritz Crackers has worked with people like InvisiblePeople.tv, which helps the homeless. And, you know, Schnooks, which is a grocery chain out in the Midwest area raised $200,000 for the Urban League, which I think is fantastic. But quite frankly, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, we would have seen a campaign like that. So I definitely think people, are, you know, uh, companies are open to different types of causes. Of course, it will always be a trending issue, right? That gets the most interest from people like Food Access did during the pandemic, right? But I do think there is an opportunity for people to look at different things. The things that nonprofits have to be is they have to be prepared to ride that wave too of opportunity. You know, I had a conversation with a bunch of Latino organizations recently, and I was telling them the same thing. I think Latino organizations are having a moment. I think it's a great opportunity for Latinos to lean in on cause marketing programs and working with companies. But you got to be ready to do that now. What do you think makes somebody ready to do it? Ready to do a lot of different things, right? First, I mean, you know, first of all, you have to have the in- tough question. That's right. Well, you have to, you know, there's a lot of things that go into put together a partnership program. You have to have institutional buy-in from the organization from the very top that this is important. You have to have the, you know, the the um, the merging of of fundraising with marketing, right? We know that cause marketing campaigns are more successful when brands think that way. And, you know, just all the other things that go into putting together a cause marketing campaign. And, you know, the big thing is, is a lot of times, too, nonprofits need to be aware of companies they're already working with that can be turned into cause marketing partners. A lot of times, a lot of companies that we're doing sponsorship with can be converted into cause marketing partners because they have busy cashiers. Uh, busy checkout lines, and they have lots of foot traffic and lots of locations. So if you're an organization that's getting money from a supermarket and they're giving you a check, that's wonderful. But better thing to do would be- But what else can right, we do? Raise money at the rate. So, you, so the big thing is, is that you have to be prepared for those things too, right? And, and you know, the challenge is, is that by the time some of these organizations get prepared, they maybe have missed a wave that's real that could have been really significant for their organization, right? And uh, and we're seeing that both on the individual giving side and on the corporate side is that a lot of organizations got a huge influx of money in the first two years of the pandemic, and then they're like, man, how do we keep these donors? Right? We need <laughs> staff. We need right. you know we need resources. Mm-hmm. We need all these things in place, and you know hopefully they'll be able to get those things in place before those donors decide. Hey, are you listening? Are you out there? I want to hear about all the great things your organization is doing. Okay, last prediction for you. I've heard a lot of, in in the work world, but also in kind of personal life conversations with families, about rumored supply chain shortages because of staffing issues and a whole host of other things. Do you think those rumored shortages will have an impact on holiday campaigns and maybe push them earlier than typical? Yeah, well, I, I think we've seen a lot of that anyways, too. And, you know, like people like the Salvation Army have been launching their campaigns the past couple of years well in advance of the holiday season to get out in front of some of these things. So, yes, I think just as people are being encouraged to uh, to buy things early now, people are being encouraged to donate early, too, with a variety of campaigns. So I, I think that's definitely a reality. I mean, it was interesting. I was actually just reading an article today saying just how much the, you know, the shortage will impact shopping this year 
And that's, I, I think that's, you know, we'll only find that out after the fact. But the fact is, is I think a lot of nonprofits are getting in retailers and businesses in general are getting out front in terms of holiday giving and starting their programs. Now, as a matter of fact, I'm sure the Salvation Army, if not soon has already started its kettle program so it could raise money. It did the same thing last year. Right. I think it'll be really interesting to see the data after the fact of what the impact was like and what that looked like. So maybe maybe we'll have another one with you and we'll bring back Megan as well and we can dissect those pieces. I would love, yeah. I, I yeah, I would love to hear something like that too. But you know, and it's just it reflects too just how important the holiday seasons are for especially a lot of signature campaigns out there that have been around for years from Thanksgiving with St. Jude to um, you know, the Salvation Army Red Kettle programs, you know, uh, Children's Miracle Network does a number of fundraisers during the holiday season. So there's a there's a lot out there you know, a lot of people raising money, but the spirit is there, right? You know, people want to give and this is the time of year they think of charity. So it's a great time for businesses to be doing these programs. Well, Joe, it's always a pleasure to get to pick your brain and chat with you and laugh a little bit. Where can people learn more about Selfish Giving if they would like to do that? Oh, well, of course, you can find me at SelfishGiving.com. I write a newsletter, as you know, Allie, every week. Talk. It's fabulous. And thank you so much. On I Wednesdays, right? On Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m., I make an appointment with my audience. I've been doing it for years. And, you know, I write a note from Joe, but I also have some great curated articles that I think are useful to people. So people should definitely sign up for my email newsletter. They can find that at SelfishGiving.com. But people can also chat with me at Twitter, at Joe Waters. I've been on Twitter now for over a decade, you know, and I still am active there every day. And I love talking to people. Yeah. And, uh, and I really enjoy talking to people on Twitter and learning about cause marketing campaigns. So definitely come over and say hello and, and tell me that you heard me from Allie's show, Cause Talk Radio. <laughs> Which used to be Joe and Megan. That's right. Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for joining me and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too and everyone listening. Cause Talk Radio is a production of Engage for Good in partnership with True Story FM. Engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week by The Lighthearts and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Cause Talk Radio is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.